Okay, following along the uh, theme of communion and what we just did, I chose this particular verse this morning to uh, just to kind of reflect on as we uh, have had this common union with him and with one another. It's Matthew 10:8. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, the, the verse that preceded that or the two verses, Jesus basically is, is commanding. He's not talking to the 12. He's talking to the 70. He's talking to the 12. These are his 12 disciples, his closest comrades. And he's telling them, he says, do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Those are unbelievers. Do not go into the, the towns of the Samaritans. These are kind of half Jews, half Gentiles. He says, but go to the lost sheep of Israel. And then he gives them a command. He says, I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cleanse the lepers. I want you to raise the dead. And I want you to cast out demons. And then the motivation for this is because freely you have received, freely give. Now, sickness leads to death, right? Does anybody want to be sick? Nobody wants to be sick. It, 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 it ends up in a very bad place. Leprosy was a terrible form of sickness, because not only did it kill you physically, but it just ruined every aspect of your personal and social life. It was contagious. You would have to leave your spouse, your children. You couldn't be around them. You couldn't be near them unless you infect them. It separated you from society. You couldn't go to the store. You couldn't go to any common places. In fact, lepers had to scream out loud, leper, 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 so people would stay away and not get, because it was so contagious. And then death itself. Death itself. And then he talks about casting out demons. And these were physical demons and demons of the mind. Thoughts, spiritual demons, Poor thinking. All of these things lead to death. Now, every one of us in this room is going to die. Did you know that? Did you know that? You know, we think it's going to happen to somebody else, but it actually is going to happen to me and it's going to happen to you. Someday, we're going to die. But brothers and sisters, we have something to really be joyful about. To really be joyful about. We have been given eternal life freely and this is eternal life to know Jesus Christ it's not and it's actually already started if you know Christ you are already experiencing his eternal life but what have we been rescued from you know it's so easy to take these great gifts for granted what have you and I been rescued from 
we've been rescued from what is called hell. Does anybody want to go to hell? Do you know what hell is? Do I know what hell is? You know, if you read about it in the Bible, it looks like a, a, a place that's very hot. There's a lot of torture and torment. It's not a place that you and I would want to spend eternity in or even five minutes in. But this is the best definition of hell I have ever heard. Hell is taking whatever need, whatever desire, whatever longing your heart has today, whatever need, whatever desire, whatever longing your heart has today, multiply it times a million and not have that longing satisfied for eternity. Have that longing, have that need multiplied by a million times and not have it satisfied for eternity. That's a great definition of hell. Counterwise, a great definition of heaven is have your greatest longing, your greatest need, your greatest desire amplified by a million times and completely satisfied for eternity. Now that is heaven. And that, brothers and sisters, is very good news. So I want us to think about a few things that have happened that we need to be thankful for so that as these 12 went out, freely giving because they had freely received, we need to concentrate, we need to remind ourselves of those things we have freely received. First of all, we freely received justification by faith through the sacrifice of Christ. His sacrifice was a gift. Each of us were born into this world with a fatal flaw. We were born with the nature of Adam, a soul totally corrupted, a soul that has no appetite for God. It only seeks its own way. It only seeks its own pleasure. It only seeks its own interest. And you know what happens to a soul like that? That soul spends eternity separated from God in that place called hell. And that's what all of us deserved. But, you know, you talk about those lost sheep. To be lost, you must first be possessed and owned, right? How can you, something's not lost unless it's first owned. And though it's a mystery, he owned you, he owned me from eternity past, and he sought us out. And when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, can a dead man respond to God? Can a dead man understand the gospel? Can a dead man or woman have faith? No. But when you and I were dead in our trespasses and sins, when we were completely paralyzed, he touched you. He touched me. He quickened our spirits. He made us spiritually come alive. He made us have a desire for him, something that the nature of Adam does not have a desire for him. He gave us a desire for himself. He gave us a mind to understand the gospel. He gave us a desire to respond to the gospel, and he gave us faith to believe. By grace are you saved through faith. And that faith is not even of yourself. It's a gift of God. 
not of works, lest any man should boast. So what have we freely received? We freely received faith to trust him. Faith to trust him. You could not, I could not have trusted him unless he had given us the faith to trust him. We are totally dependent upon him for everything. And then what else, what other gift did he give us? Well, he actually, the second gift he gave us is he crucified the nature of Adam in you and in me. We are no longer that person who was born into this world. Oh, the, the, the stench of that person still exists in us. It's called the flesh. And Paul says, in my flesh dwells no good thing. But he also says, I'm not my flesh. He says, I find myself doing the things I don't want to do and not doing the things I want to do. If I do what I don't want to do and don't do what I want to do, he says, it proves it's not me. It's not me. It's sin that dwells in me. We are no longer that Adamic nature that we came to this world with. We are something else. That's very good news. And what are we? That's the next thing he gave us. He gave us a new nature. He took away our heart of stone. He gave us a heart of flesh. He wrote his laws upon our heart. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we're told that the new man is created in the likeness of God and in righteousness and in holiness. Righteousness is the sum of all that's good. Holiness is the absence of all that's evil. I shared a couple weeks ago, what needs to be sanctified in us? Is it your new man? No, your new nature doesn't need to be sanctified. It's already built, created in the likeness of God. That is a fantastic gift. Fantastic gift. You and I have a new nature. It doesn't mean that we don't sin, but the difference is when we sin, we no longer can enjoy it because sin is now contrary to our nature. And then what is the next thing he gave us? What unspeakable gift did he give us? He has given each of us as believers the Holy Spirit who indwell us. The Holy Spirit who will lead us into all truths, who will remind us of all the things that Christ has told us if we've read his scripture, who will be an encouragement to us and ultimately will bring the very life of Christ into you and into me. For Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is just a little more Christ. Christ who is my life, I am crucified with Christ. That's Romans 6.26. And the old man was crucified in Christ that the body of sin might be destroyed. That's when the nature of Adam in you and me was put to death. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So we have a new nature. We actually have the life of Christ at our disposal, living in us. So what can we be thankful for today as believers? As believers, we can be thankful that we're not going to spend eternity <laughs> with all of our needs multiplied by a million times and not satisfied. As believers, we can celebrate and be thankful today that when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, when we couldn't see, we couldn't hear, we couldn't respond to anything, that Christ quickened us, he awoken us, awakened us, and gave us a desire for him and faith to believe his gospel. And what else can you and I be thankful for? That when you and I wake up each morning, we don't have a disdain for God. In fact, we actually have a desire to grow closer. We may be sloppy, we may not do what we purpose to do, 
but we actually have a desire to do his will and to grow closer to him. Because the nature of Adam was put to death to you and I. And what else do we have to be thankful for today? That we have a new nature that actually enjoys worshiping God, wants to worship God, longs to be in closer fellowship with him. And then finally, what is the last and greatest thing that we have to be thankful for? Is we have his very life, his very presence. The life of Christ abiding in us through the Holy Spirit, through his spirit. Who will lead us into all truth and will deliver us from every evil. Brothers, sisters, we got the 5-0 download. We've got it going. We have everything that we could want or ever expect to have. And it was given to us freely. And Jesus says, free as freely as you have received, this should be the motivation for you to give. Give freely. Give freely. You know how exciting it is to get a gift? I remember when I was a little boy, I mean, I couldn't sleep the two days before Christmas. So excited about getting a gift. And then when the gift comes, that's even more exciting. Getting a gift, receiving a gift is wonderful. It's it's. But it seems to fade if we don't continue to rehearse the gift. That's what we did this morning at communion. We rehearsed this gift of sacrifice through Christ. But we must, brothers and sisters, rehearse in our mind every day these gifts that he has given us. You know, ungratefulness, or let's say not having a grateful attitude is one of the greatest transgressions we can commit. Having a grateful spirit every day, every moment, brings the nature of Christ into us. It leads us into worship, and it really brings us joy. It's, it's joyful to meditate on the fact that we are so rich. <laughs> Evil one tries to tell us that we're poor. And, and we just get in this, this, this cloud. But brothers and sisters, we have much to be grateful for every day. The fact that we're not going to spend eternity separated from him. That we are not our flesh. That we have actually been given a new nature that desires God. And we've given the Holy Spirit who can lead us into closer fellowship with God. If we will only focus on him and not on the things of this world. So what do you and I have to free to give? What do we have to give? Well, we have our time. We can give our time. Our time to God. How much, uh, Will, is Will here this morning? Yeah, Will's over here translating. Will is a triathlon runner or swimmer or bike cyclist. He likes to do triathlons. Let me ask you a question, Will. Can you train five minutes a day and run a triathlon? You can't. Okay. So do you think you can spend five minutes a day in the presence of the Lord and uh, stand up against angels and principalities and powers and dominions and spiritual darkness in heavenly places? Do you think you can spend five minutes a day meditating on the Lord's presence and stand up against that kind of warfare? Do you think you can? No more than you can run a triathlon by practicing or running or exercising five minutes a day. We need to give the Lord our time. And this is, it doesn't mean just, and time is our attention. This isn't just opening your Bible and reading for five minutes a day. It's when you finish it. Say, Lord, I want you to go with me today. Every person I see, I want you to remind me to pray for them. 
Every time I look at my wife, I want you to remind me to say, thank you, Father, for my wife. Thank you that you use her to sanctify me. <laughs> thank you that you, you use her to show me my flesh and that I can turn from my flesh and turn to you. And, that you can, and thank you for every time I look at her that I need your spirit to love her through me as Christ loved the church. He wants us to bring him in the, the knowledge of his presence into our conscious thinking every moment we're awake. Every time you ride down the street and you see some man out on the street directing traffic or, or picking up garbage, he has no gloves on in like this weather, say, Father, thank you that I have gloves. And if you've got some gloves, maybe you stop your car and give them to him. I don't know. But the point is, everything, every event, every person, everything we see, we can take those thoughts and turn them to our Heavenly Father in thanksgiving or petition and prayer for somebody who does not have. He wants our time, and our time is our consciousness, our presence. If you sat down at, with somebody and, and you're talking to them and you can tell them that they're not there, <laughs> they're only there physically, okay, that's, that's one of the ways that evil wants to steal our lives. He wants to steal our attention on our Heavenly Father. God wants us to give him our time. Our time. And then, in turn, we'll find ourselves giving other people our time. Because people become very interesting when you understand that they are part of the ministry that God has given us. Okay, what else do we have to give? Well, we can give our talent. We can give our talents to God and to people. You know, here's the problem. Do you realize that your greatest strengths, your greatest talents, are probably your greatest weaknesses? Your greatest strengths and your greatest talents are probably your greatest weaknesses. If there's a man who's a very talented salesman, and I call him on the phone, I say, by the way, would you, would you please uh, little bring a devotion this Sunday morning? He says, I don't feel good about that at all. He said, I have no gift in that. I said, that's no problem. Would you do that? He said, well, I guess so. And then all week long, all he's doing, he's calling, well, he's just praying, he's studying, he's thinking, he's, he's concerned, he's praying. And he comes on Sunday morning, he does a great job. You know, that same guy never prays before a sales call. He doesn't even think to pray because he's so gifted and talented in that area. But if we would understand that our strengths are something that God wants to give to the world and they can be magnified a hundredfold, if we will give him our gifts and our talents, boy, what if you gave your strengths to him? For him to use. And then our treasures. You know, we talk about the tithe, giving 10%. I think God wants us to give 100% to him. Everything we have, everything we own, we give it to him. And then we view ourselves as stewards of that which is his in the first place. We give it all to him. There's nothing that you possess. There's nothing that I possess. We give it all to him. He wants 100%. And then as stewards, we ask him to show us how he wants that money of his spent. You ever give to a beggar? 
I moved to Russia, Moscow in 1992, six months after the collapse of the Soviet Union. And there were a lot of beggars on the street. And every time I'd see one of those beggars, I would kind of get on the other side of the street. And then one day, Father said to me, you know, you need to give to that beggar because you're a beggar too. Oh. So I would see a beggar come in. I'd go up and, and these, now there were some, okay, yeah, I would, I would give to them. But then I started being very selective on what beggars I gave to. If it was an old woman with white hair and you could tell she probably had a couple of PhDs, but you know, the whole economy had collapsed and she was just doesn't have any food for bread. You know, she's a worthy beggar. Or somebody who's playing in the metro, their violin, they're, they're playing, you know, virtuoso violin pieces. You can tell they're starving musicians. That's a worthy beggar. But this guy who's sitting over here, you know, with a bottle next to him and half drunk or, or totally drunk, I would pass him by because he wasn't worthy. And then one day I walked past one of those guys and I was going to pass him by because he was not a worthy, he wasn't worthy. He would just go take the money. I know what he was going to do with the money I gave him. He'd just probably go buy another pint. And I was saying to myself, I'm not going to give to him. He's not worthy. And Father said to me, you know what? You're not worthy either. You're an unworthy beggar. Oh, yeah, I'm an unworthy beggar. So I started giving to the unworthy beggars. Then I had one last stronghold, the amount I would give. <laughs> if I had 10 kwai, or 10 ruples, or 5 ruples, or 20 ruples, no problem. But if I reached out of my pocket and I only had 100 ruples, that would be too extravagant to give to a beggar. So I would check my pocket whether it was a worthy beggar or unworthy beggar, I checked my pocket, see what I had, and if, it's, if I didn't have any small change, I would probably go to the other side of the street. And then one day I found myself moving to the other side of the street because I didn't have anything less than 100 renminbi or 100 ruples. And Father said, Rick, did you forget that I am extravagant? Extravagant. Extravagant isn't wasteful. Extravagant just means that just just extravagant i mean his his love his grace his forgiveness he's extravagant <laughs> and he asked me a question he said if you gave a hundred ru rubles to every beggar you ever met what would it cost you what would it cost you Freely we have received, freely give. You and I are around people all day long who are needy. We can give them the good news of Christ. That's the best thing we can give. Peter and John going into the temple, this guy's begging. And Peter just says, you know, I don't have any silver, I don't have any gold. But what I do have, I'll give to you in the name of Christ. Stand up and walk. And the man came up. And maybe we don't feel we have the gift of healing. But we can tell them 
We can tell those people who we know and we love who are in need, we can tell them for the reason, the joy of our salvation. We can tell them the gospel. We can tell them about Jesus. And the needy and the hungry, we can give to them. And what else can you give? If we're focused on God, we can give people our attention. You know, in North America, people will spend $200 an hour just to have someone listen to them. <laughs> We've got a couple of counselors in this room today. People will pay just to be listened to. You don't even have to respond to them. Just listen to them. That's one of the greatest gifts you and I can give someone is just our attention. One husband's one of the greatest gifts you can give your wife is your attention. Wives, your husband, your attention. And to our children, and to our workmates, our attention. And we can give them the love of Christ as we abide in him and he fills us with the fruits of his spirit. Compassion. People want to be cared for. People want... Now, I missed you. I didn't see you last week. Were you sick? Are you okay? If people are going to see Christ, they're going to see him through you and through I. And freely, Jesus says, freely as you have received, give. Give. But we have no motivation unless we constantly and continue to remind ourselves how much we've received and what we've received. We have received so much. We should just run out of this building and just want to, to give all that we have of ourselves, our resources, our time, to people around us. And, you can, and for your employer, you want to do your work for him hardly as to the Lord because you have strength and you have health and you have a job. And if you're an educator, you want to, you want to have joy in teaching these children because these are trusts that God has given to you. And you might be the only example of a person in whom the Holy Spirit dwells that they even know. Every, our life is filled with opportunities for us to give. And the greatest thing we can give is ourselves in Christ, full of the Holy Spirit. Because you and I abide in Christ, every man in every circumstance is affected and infected by our relationship with him. In closing, you are the salt of the earth. That's what Jesus said. You know, salt is not even alive, but if you put a piece of ice on it, it'll melt it. If you put a snail on it, it'll dissolve the snail. If you put a piece of meat on it, it'll preserve it. If you put a cut on that ice, it will, uh, on that salt, it'll heal it. Everything that comes in contact with salt is changed by the very nature of what salt is. And as you and I abide in Christ, every man, every circumstance is affected and infected by our relationship with him. And it happens when we give ourselves freely to him because we freely received and then freely give ourselves to those around us. If there's anyone here this morning who has not received the free gift that Christ offers you through his cross, I encourage you this morning to understand that you came into this world a sinner. You had nothing to do with that. You continued in that way. But God hates sin and God punishes sin and the wages of sin is eternal separation from him. But the good news is 
that God sent his son in the world in the form of a man, made in the likeness of man, and he took upon himself your sins and mine and was punished for your sins and mine on a cross. And he rose again from the dead, and God grants forgiveness, as John was speaking, is this, this Passover lamb, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness, and God offers us eternal salvation if we would just accept his free gift. And all you got to do to accept it is say, thank you, thank you. I accept your gift of salvation through the atonement of your son. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, it's so easy for us to not be grateful. It's so easy for us to forget all that you have given us. It's so easy for us to, yeah, just do life and not remember what we have been spared from and what we are, are today and what our potential is. And I pray that you would renew in each of us a, a joy a joy of our salvation, a joy of the fact that, that when we were running to hell as fast as we could get there, that you stuck your, stuck your foot out and tripped us, and you gave us life, and you have kissed us, and you have renewed us, and you have filled us with your spirit, and you have given us all riches in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And Father, I would just pray that you'd give us the, the knowledge and the remembrance of this, and we would go out of this room today with joy in our heart because of our relationship with you, and spread this joy by giving freely, without reservation, to all around us, to our families, to our friends, to our associates, to all we meet. Can we make this prayer in the name of Christ? Amen.